This episode is brought to you in part by the Second Mission Foundation. Second Mission Foundation is a nonprofit organization that exists to educate, elevate, and advocate for members of America's service community in order to help them find their second mission after government service. Second Mission Foundation was started by and for the members of America's service community. That means members of the armed forces, first responders, security contractors, etc. Second Mission Foundation provides these veterans the opportunity for them to tell their stories, reach their goals, and make their voices heard through educational outreach, entrepreneurship support, and community involvement. For everything going on in Second Mission Foundation, go to secondmissionfoundation.org. That's secondmissionfoundation, all one word, .org, secondmissionfoundation.org. Profiles and Havoc is a Havoc Journal podcast. The Havoc Journal seeks to serve as the voice of the veteran community through a focus on current affairs and articles of interest to the public in general and the veteran community in particular. Havoc Journal strives to offer timely, current, and informative content. When you go to Havoc Journal, you will read the most articulate, opinionated, thoughtful, and provocative veteran writers writing about the nation, the world, politics, national security, culture, fitness, movies, the list goes on and on and on. Havoc Journal is always expanding, always striving to improve the reader's experience. Check it out at HavocJournal.com. That's Havoc with a K, Journal.com, HavocJournal.com. And this could not be a more Havoc Journal-related episode. <laughs> this is the year-end episode uh, for the podcast. And so I invited Charlie Faint, the Havoc Journal owner, Mike Warnock, Havoc Journal's editor-in-chief, and Lisa Suderman, who is social media manager, is marketing manager? I think that's right. can't remember the exact title, but Lisa does everything public-facing for Havoc and is a bit of a goddess at it. So I invited them all on the show to talk about uh, how 2022 went uh, for Havoc, articles, authors that everybody liked, um, kind of give an outlook. There's some exciting new stuff happening at Havoc uh, for 2023 that it's important that you guys all know. And uh, yeah, just kind of wrap up the year. So I kind of joke on there that it's like the Oscars, Grammys, and Emmys all rolled into one. And it, it isn't. We're not giving out awards, and we're not really trying to identify favorites. We're just trying to identify, you know, you got. It's tough to say best of to something as subjective as writing, but just stuff that stood out, um, writers that stood out uh, in this year, some articles that stood out, all that. Um, so it's a really fun time. It's great being able to see them. I never get to talk to them. I see Charlie a decent amount. Uh, Mike and Elisa, I, I rarely get to talk to. So it was fun to be able to sit down and actually have all of us uh, talk. Charlie um, obviously is right here in my neck of the woods. Elisa. Um, is was in the middle of freezing <laughs> in Colorado. It was like negative thirty or something. It was like the or something crazy. It was like the coldest day on record in like thirty years in Colorado. And so she's sitting there freezing uh, during the episode. And Mike uh, was, um, you know, down Georgia, um, where I guess he was also freezing, but maybe not as much. Anyway, uh, but it was great being able to talk to all of them and. Uh, yeah, kind of sync things up for the end of the year. So without further ado, I'm Christopher Paul Meyer, and this is the year-end wrap-up 
for profiles in Havoc. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, Chris. Looking forward to the discussion today. Yep. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Hey, happy, happy 2022. This is it. This is this is the year-end episode. This is the wrap-up. This is like the Oscars, the Tonys, the Grammys, and the Emmys all rolled into one for Avic. Dude, we made it to the end of the year. We all still like each other. Success. Well, admittedly, I haven't really talked to you guys that much during the year, so I, <laughs> I, I've just kind of... I've dodged that landmine altogether. Um, you know, I didn't want to take the risk. How has Charlie 30,000 foot view? How's 2022 been? It's been great. It's been great having you on board and, and Mike really coming into his own running the editing for havoc running basically everything for havoc journal, Lisa handling all of our Instagram stuff, our biggest platforms over on Insta. And with me finally getting out of the army, finally retiring and having the time to dedicate to it and, Moving on with the stuff I know we're going to talk about later with our deal with Epic Times. It's looking really great. We're really looking forward to 2023, Chris. Yeah, me too. And this is, um, I'm, I'm actually really glad to be able to see all you guys and talk about the direction of Havoc. I think it is a really exciting time. Mike, um, for you, how has it been? What have been the ups and downs? What's been the adventure like being editor-in-chief? Um, honestly, I, I have to say, I love what I do with Havoc. I, Charlie hit the nail on the head. I, it took a while to sort of come into my own uh, with it because I, I always, I still see it. It's Charlie's baby. I'm just the, uh, the nanny um, taking care of it is <laughs> it's, it's kind of how I, kind of how I saw it, but uh, I've been doing it for, or been a part of it for almost three years now. And uh, so for this year, um, I finally just kind of felt like, Hey, um, I kind of have a sense for what I'm doing <clears throat> um, and establishing a rapport with uh, with the authors. Uh, I'm going to use this word a lot today because I use it in uh, describing um, some of my uh, quote unquote favorite articles is it's a privilege. I love what I do. Yeah. And I think that shows, I think that's always shown at Havoc. It's always been the, the labor of love has kind of always stood out, I think, and the heart. And the fact that it's unfiltered, that there's such a quick flash to bang. It's not, it's not sanitized. It's not run through a processing machine. It's very raw. You really get everyone's unique voice. And now having you solely dedicated to editing and putting out content, it's, it hasn't lost any of that. It's still very unfiltered and it's still very raw. And now just, you know, continuing to get cleaned up and, and funneled. I think it's, been great I, the content i've read has been outstanding and chris what's really what's really been interesting is mike and i of course have known each other since eighth grade and we're both 50 now <laughs> and it's been really interesting seeing him deal with authors i told him the other day mike and i talk every monday and i told him that there have been times where i've seen correspondence that he sent to authors that i was not sure that i did not message to him because the voice is is so similar and what he and I think are important and useful, so aligned that it's really been interesting to see that that kind of effect going on in Havoc. And the Havoc authorship has continued to grow. They've yeah. continued, we've continued to add more and more folks, which is really impressive because we're what now, eight years in? Yeah. Nine years mm-hmm. in? Yep. I mean, that's really impressive. It continues to be on an upward trajectory. 
It really is. And I know you're going to talk to Elisa next, but before, before we let her talk about her work in, on Insta, Insta, like I mentioned earlier, is our biggest platform. And a lot of our growth and our ability to reach yeah. those authors is due to yes. her and her ability to, to really spread the word about Havoc. Well, you stole my segue. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. And I mean, and Lisa, talk about that. I mean, talk about your outreach and what, I mean, it's always interesting to me, the articles that you highlight and the voices that you highlight on Insta, because I find myself constantly uh, kind of gravitating towards them. It's interesting historical stuff. It's interesting personal stuff. Um, what's your MO when it comes to curating what goes on Insta? I think it, it is more how how is the story put together and how can you do that within 2,200 characters? You don't get much of a leeway to share the entire image or, um, and sometimes obviously the voice gets kind of lost if, if you can't do that within that um, short frame of, of wording. But there are so many wonderful wordsmiths out there that can capture and paint the entire image of war or what's going on in law enforcement or what's going on at home, you know, coming home from war. Um, and so just grabbing, grabbing the reader within that first few sentences is so important. If you're just doing an organic reach out on social media in any capacity, there's not a rhyme or reason as of late as to what <laughs> goes viral or what really works, but it, the, the way that you can capture people instantly within Instagram is by making them click open the rest of the text to read. And it's usually always 2,200 characters um, on, on each and every post. And it's just, you know, pulling out those very distinctive um, and deep and meaningful ways of how they paint what they're seeing or what they're going through. Lisa, what what is it that you find turns you on about the content that you're putting out? Because it seems like, I mean, like everything that Havoc does, it's, it seems incredibly heartfelt. But what is the nature of the affection? Because it, I noticed how so many posts span the personal to the historical. Like there's a wide swath of things that seem like they interest you in the veteran and and active service community. What is it? Have you been able to identify just for yourself? Like, what is that that sticks its head out for you that makes you go, wow, that's interesting. That needs to be shared because you clearly have your finger on the pulse of things that veterans want to hear about and need to hear about sometimes. So, have you identified what that is for you? Um, I think for me, so um, for any of the listeners, I am a civilian and I've been with Havoc for um, almost eight years now. And I think you know, and observing the community from a macro standpoint is that there are a lot of accounts that really glorify war in so many different ways. And I'm, I'm using that in a very negative light. And I think that the, there's importance to share both the beauty and the pain of actual war and what happens when you come home and what, you know, what you're going through while you're on a, a combat deployment and in all of the shit, like there's no, um, you know, a lot of the people that actually write for Havoc are anonymous so that they can just completely let go of all of their emotion and, and be very vulnerable in the landscape of Havoc. And I think that's really 
important, you know, the essence of havoc is having a voice outside of quote unquote killing and, you know, pulling those voices and, and making sure that people understand that war is very real and very painful. And it's not to be glorified like how, you know, American society has kind of glorified war over the past few decades um, in many ways. And so that's, I suppose, how I try to pull the different pieces to to highlight onto Havoc and, and you know, also trying to stay away as much as possible, um, you know, the politics side, you know, mm-hmm. we yeah. get overwhelmed with that on a daily basis, especially this past, the past, you know, six years, sure. but really the past two years. So, you know, just not, not focusing on that as much within the living posts on the page. I want to pick up on that with you, Mike. What, how has that been curating political content for the site? What, what have been the left and right limits that you've seen um, things you've liked, things you haven't liked or ways of operating when it comes to writing articles and making sure that kind of due diligence is done and there's some a higher degree of rationality, maybe uh, a higher degree of light than heat. You know, how how have you been able to to manage that? Uh, First, it's a, it's a great problem to have. And I'll tell you why Um, we get, we get what some would describe as far left submissions. We get what others would call far right submissions. So I remind myself as I navigate through that, how lucky we are uh, that we get such a wide berth of, uh, of writers, perspectives, and content. I don't want to do anything to diminish that. Um, that said, um, when pieces are particularly aggressive, um, I will I will push back on authors or just outright decline things that are too antagonistic, right? If they can tone it down, uh, things that aren't nuanced, um, uh, that's what I push back on. So if it's if it's basically the litmus test is if you can flip through any uh, corporate media channel and get the same exact thing, then that's probably mm. not something we want to publish. Mm. What about if it's more extreme than what you would see on a corporate media channel? Is that still worth publicizing or does it depend on how it's more extreme? So again, I I approach it like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want, if someone thinks this, then that means other people think it. Mm -hmm. And that means there's probably um, an audience for it. That said, um, Again, if if there's no objectivity, if there's no nuance, if you you can clearly see that there's either malice or anger, uh, sort of at its central core, that's something that mm. uh, I steer away from. Uh, a lot of times, I will try to get them to rewrite the article, point out um, the uh, the animosity and the emotion that's detracting from the message that they're actually trying to make. So, if an article actually has a message to convey, I'll I'll steer them in that direction. But if there's no message and it's just uh, vitriol, then that's the, that's the, the dividing line right there. All submissions have to be in all caps though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be clear about so that. Lots of exclamation points. Yeah, yeah. Lots of exclamation points because you are making a forceful argument. It goes stands to reason. I see no problem with that. And, and yeah. one long paragraph, no, no, no line breaks. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, that's as good a segue as any, to talk about articles that stood out to us this year. And I was kind of joking when I said this is our Oscar, Tony's Emmys, all that wrapped up in one, because clearly it isn't. 
Um, but and we're not putting anybody on the spot to say, like, what was the best article or article of the year or anything like that. But just things that stood out to you throughout the past year. So, Charlie, let me go to you first. Yeah, I've got several, several on this. And one thing before we go on, uh, a number, n- another member of the team that's not with us today because she's out being a mom and doing other things, Kathy Livermore coming on this year, really helping us out with the back end things that no one sees, but that keeps the bills paid and the lights on. So shout out to Kathy. Thank you for all that. In terms of articles, I, I made a note of a couple articles that were impactful for me at the risk of self-aggrandizement. One of them is mine, and I'll talk about that here, here in a minute. But before we go into articles, I wanted to acknowledge some of the authors that I thought were particularly good over there. There are any number of them, and I'm going to leave people out on this list accidentally. But kind of my favorite author is an anonymous SF officer. Of course, I know who he is, but that's what he publishes under. And I think Mike likes him too. I'll call him Uber because that's not his name. He writes so well and so thoughtful and so nuanced that normally Mike and I just, we, we, when I was editing and Mike took over, we'd read his article, we'd give it a title and we'd publish it. No other, I mean, he would do his own art. He would do his own links, everything like that. And that's part of his background and his personality. So really enjoyed reading his articles. Mike Kelvington is another guy who's very much on the, on the same vein. That's clearly just really expert at this. But then we have a, a batch of newer authors, Ben Varlees, Nader Gomez, Jake Smith, and of course, Iman Cafell, who's been with us for a number of times. But that's my lead into some of my favorite articles to talk about Iman. And I think Iman kind of sums up the essence of what we're trying to appeal to in Havoc Journal. He's He was born overseas. He came to the United States, enlisted in the Army, served in Iraq, and now he's a police officer. He kind of sums up all the worlds that we want to appeal to. And just a hell of a good guy. Chris, you and I met him up in Boston when, when, we, when we went up there not too long ago. I've talked with him numerous times. He's a first guest on our Battlefields podcast for Epic Times. So I know we'll get to in another segment. So Iman has published a number of things with us, and one that was was one of his Overlook works, very short poem, is called For the Struggling Veteran. And I thought about this again when Elisa was talking earlier about Insta, because that's where we get most of our feedback on. We used to get in the email, a lot of hate mm-hmm. mail in the early days. We used to get a lot of it on Facebook, but now there's Facebook stomping all over our algorithm, but no one's seeing it anymore on Facebook. So Instagram's kind of where it is. And that's where we get most of our feedback from folks on articles like his that talk about how much what Havoc does means to them. So we get all these hundreds of messages a year, and that doesn't count all the ones that don't write in, but read something and it made their lives easier. So Iman and his fourth struggling veteran is one of the ones that I wanted to highlight this year, Chris. He seems like he comes into his own more and more every year as a writer. Yeah. I, I just seeing his work consistently progress and the diligence he takes in writing. Have you seen that, Mike, on the editorial side when you see his submissions come in? I have. As a matter of fact, I, I reached out to Iman um, a couple of months ago after uh, after only superficially editing a piece he had sent in, and I said, Iman, you you've really evolved as a writer, and it's a it's a privilege to see it happen. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, And part of that is due to Mike. People don't see it, how much Mike works with the authors. It's always very kind, very patient. And it'll say, hey, you said this, but maybe you should say that, or you don't need this, or you need to 
kind of dial it back on this one a little bit. And over time, people listen to them and they turn into really great authors. So part of the success of some of the authors that write for us is because Mike's patience and diligence and frankly, his attention to detail. Do you agree, Elisa? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. There's nothing else I can add to that other than a resounding yes. Yeah, I, I'm I'm amazed we got Mike on the show. He's so humble and, and all that. I, I I thought he'd be a no show at the last minute, but uh, Chris, the only reason he's on Facebook at all is because I managed to convince him he needs to do his job for for Havoc. Otherwise, he'd be quite happy to have no social media. He's just doing his job, man. He's Mike, already been in jail once this year. That, 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 that's, good. that's true. That's true. They're trying to discourage him back into the shadows. You know. <laughs> Lisa, how about you? What articles stood out? What articles, authors stood out to you? Um, So I've got three different ones that I want to highlight. Everything that comes out, I always feel um, obviously very good and very well written. Um, The few that I feel like really resonated the most um, was, uh, you know, anything from Lori Bukiri's, and Lori, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. We've strived and and really tried to work hard on pulling more female veteran voices, active duty duty voices into the fold of Havoc. And it's always been a lot more difficult. I think that there's still a lot of um, um, angst around sharing your voice as a female service member. Um, But everything that she writes is just very poignant, very powerful and very thoughtful. Um, and, and then on top of just knowing her and her personal life and, and just um, everything that she does, excuse me, <clears throat> everything that she does um, in her personal life. And then she still finds time to write just such brilliant pieces. Um, one being the I Raise My Voice Proudly, which she wrote mm-hmm. originally for Aware Now magazine, um, was just very uh it resonated just because of everything that's going on in Afghanistan with the women that um, are, are still fighting for their freedom on a daily basis. Um, and then the other one was um, Our War by Peyton Nipple. Um, he's a, a tacky, a, a great man. He's been deployed on, I believe, nine or 10 different deployments. Um, and I know that he was very hesitant to share his, his writing. Um, and I mean, it, reading that blew me away. Um, just very good with laying out the entire story and, and pulling in all of the different pieces of coming home from war. Um, and then, uh, a highlight of, you know, some, uh, an account that has always done an amazing job on Instagram. They haven't come into the fold on to our website yet, but, um, is block three poems. It's a infantry, uh, a Marine infantryman, I believe, um, still anonymous in, in theory, but every single poem that we've been able to share of theirs has done so well and just gets you right in the heart. So those are the three that I wanted to highlight this morning. Yeah, that's, um, that's great. I think with Lori, I can certainly speak to that because that episode I recorded with her, uh, whatever it was a month or two ago, um, She's got such an interesting life that pings on so many different fronts yes. uh, from being a combat female combat veteran. One of the first, by the way, in Afghanistan, one of the first female elements 
to sea combat in Afghanistan, ground combat. Um, and then the issues with being a mother of a, I forgot the nomenclature is now that we're, that we're used, but with um, a special needs child. And I know that's not the right nomenclature. So forgive me for those that are more hip than me, but um, the way that she documents the trials and the tribulations of that is incredibly yeah. poignant and to now be a military spouse dealing with that. So dealing with the DOD and the whole system, but then also having this, you know, obvious heart for women's rights issues and human rights issues across the globe, certainly spurred by Afghanistan, but also with Iran and all that. She's just, and she's active in writing about that and, and kind of continuing to be in the conversation on so many different fronts. Um, I'm really impressed with her. It was one of the podcasts that I literally laughed and cried in. It was, Mm -hmm. it was incredible episode. I, I really, I agree. I think she's an incredible writer. Yes, I don't know how she does it all. I'm always in shock and kind of keeps me going. And I've never told her that, but that's exactly how I feel every time I see her post something. I just don't know how she does it all. Fucking truth. I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm like exhausted looking at her post. I'm like, how? I, I can't. I bitch and moan. Out of, I've had to do one social post a day. She's got like four. And that's just because she's documenting all this major stuff she did that's like emotional and logistically difficult. I, I know. Incredibly impressive. Yep. Uh, Mike, for you. What did you think? Um, so for me, picking a favorite article is like picking a favorite child, right? Um, so very easy to do. Yeah. I mean, every <laughs> the, the, article, the articles have, they each have their own personalities. They're written from, you know, different places in people's lives and they make different contributions, right? So I thought, I thought when you proposed this, hey, how do I go about picking a favorite? And so I figured, hey, I, there's two that affected me personally, uh, but kind of also demonstrate the the privilege of the position I'm in as editor-in-chief. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of my guiding star there. Um, so uh, one of my favorites is, uh, or I'll say was an article titled, How a Natural Born Killer Reclaimed His Humanity. And it was written in October of 2017. Um, now, it's an, it's an older article, um, but uh, when I first became involved with Havoc Journal, um, in 2019, it was um, an article that st- always stood out to me because um, it just it was the first article I read by Havoc that just hit me over the head. Uh, it was mm-hmm. so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say the author's name because he uh, recently asked for the article to be removed um, after we republished it. We republished it every October since October of 2017. And uh, he's moved on and in life, and he sees the article as not helping his future plans. And I'm going to be intentionally vague uh, here because I want to respect his privacy and his wishes, right? But I, I do want to talk about his piece because um, uh, it, for me, represents um, what Charlie was trying to convey to me um, when he first started talking to me about Havoc Journal and what it means. Like when I read this article, this author, he shared so much of himself in it. He describes these extremely uh, painful growing processes. And he, and I was struck by how mature and objective he was in his introspection. Like he was honest and his level of st- self-awareness was just staggering to me. Um, it, it was a long piece and uh to this day, I vividly remember exactly how I felt um, reading it uh, because it described, I realized over time it described um, the healing process, the only way I think it can accurately be described, and that's by example. 
And so, um, so for, for me, and remember my background is as a nurse. So this, I, the subject of healing resonates with me. Um, but I, I think the, the subject of healings diminished as soon as you start talking about it as a concept, right? Mm-hmm. And so this mm-hmm. writer is describing in these brutally raw terms, right, exactly what the beginning of healing looks like. And mm-hmm. uh, most people, and myself included, don't want to face their pain, their issues. And this guy, he freaking charged forward head on. And I mean, like his his face first into it. And I was just like, so the word brave is one of those buzzwords that gets thrown around a lot. And it's a word that usually makes my skin crawl because it's been watered down so much uh, through overuse. But I remember thinking as I'm reading this, this is what effing bravery looks like, right? This is what a warrior looks like. And uh, and even as a total non-combatant, because this was written by a former ranger. And so as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, hey, this guy's, you know, I, I will never really be able to relate to what this guy's writing uh, because I'm not a, I'm not a warrior like this guy is and I'm not right. But even uh, as a total non-combatant medical guy, I felt like reading it, I gained some sense of what a combat armed soldier is really like. Right. Um, and, and I remember reading as I'm reading, it, I'm thinking I could not do what this guy is doing. Right. I couldn't get past the, the feeling of vulnerability like that somehow you know, I'd be hurt or damaged if I expose so much of my own intimate fears like mm-hmm. this guy's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it had a hand in um, in my writing uh, in the shadow of JSOC like a year or so later. But uh, the point with, with this article isn't that. It's that because of my position with Havoc, I was able to tell this writer three years after reading his article the impact that it had on me, mm. um, even as I took it down from the website, I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do that. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I find myself telling authors all the time, I'm, hey, I'm just one guy who is impacted by something you wrote. And there's countless others who aren't in a position to do that. And just like with him, I wished him well, encouraged him to keep writing. And honestly, I hope he hears this podcast and sends us more. Um, it's interesting. That's not the first time that's happened, right? We've had guys that I feel like I've heard about and Charlie, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I've heard of guys that have kind of gone off the radar and said, Hey, look, I'm, I'm done. And I, th- I think it's interesting because so often, especially now in the, no offense, Lisa, but in the Insta age, right. Where everybody wants to be famous <laughs> and have big social media following and all that to find people that go, that treat writing like politics. I'm here temporarily. I'm not here permanently. I'm going to do my piece. I'm going to get this out. And, I think I'm done and can step back that says a, that they did really good writing because it solved whatever they wanted it to do. And they're not wallowing in it for artistic reasons. They're, they're like, Hey, I had an issue. I put it out there and I worked through it on the page and it's incredibly selfless. I gave it out there and now I'm stepping back. I don't need to be out there owning it, becoming a brand, building my brand based off it. Not that that's necessarily wrong, depending on who you are, but it's a different way of thinking. It's, it's not, celebrity based it's based purely on a very personal issue that had to be addressed putting it out there and then stepping back themselves right yeah chris there's been a number of times over the years back when i was running havoc and and now when mike is that people want their stuff taken down some of them are like what mike just described some of them we find out later aren't 100 accurate 
and some of the things that they conveyed and they come back to us later. I'm like, Hey, this, this, this part of my story didn't actually happen. We take it down. Okay, fine. That thing that's happened twice over the eight years we've been here. Sometimes they, they want it taken down because now they're in a place in life where that might make them look bad. A story about mm-hmm. how, what mm-hmm. they did in combat, although completely lawful and right. ethical and everything else. And then in at least one case, we had a, a guy that demanded we take his stuff off the site because uh, he had the the worst case of Trump derangement syndrome I ever saw, probably a terminal <laughs> case in his case, and just lost it on the site and started attacking us and our, our audience. And it just it just went it went bad. The the, the man has some mental issues. So um, even though we didn't have to, we went ahead and took it down because that's our stuff once we put it up on the site. But he was like, hey, I, I don't want to be affiliated with you guys anymore. Okay, fine. Best of luck. Take your meds. And we took all this stuff down. So, yeah, it happens. It happens from time to time, but it's pretty rare, Chris. In fact, most people really like having our stuff out there because it's therapeutic, like we've all talked about yeah. before. And yeah. it's it makes you feel good to see people's responses to stuff that they write and they feel is important. It's interesting. I mean, I was looking at it from the uh, from the uh, more positive side. I, yeah, that's kind of shocking and jarring to hear some of the reasons why some stuff could be removed. I think um, I was thinking of there's one guy, I won't even say his name because I don't know if he wouldn't want it out there anymore. But I know there was one guy we had talked about. I don't know if he asked for his stuff to be taken off, but he just stopped writing altogether and was like, I'm done. I wrote the pieces I wrote. I'm good. Yeah. And I think. And and that is definitely a difference between asking to have your stuff taken off the site altogether. That, but that to me, I I'm I don't think I'm I don't I don't want to kind of uh, put some nobility on it that isn't there. But to me, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like you you worked through an issue on the page in a really brave, revealing, you know, vein ripping way. Really, probably helped a lot of people, and and made a lot of people relate to it. And now you're like. I'm out. I'm not trying to build my brand off it. That's all I wanted to do. And I helped myself. And if it helped you, awesome. And I don't need to write anymore. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm sure Mike and Lisa do as well. And again, we're not going to mention his name for his own privacy, but I got a lot of respect for that guy. And I wish he'd come back. I've actually reached out to him twice. I I called him over Memorial Day. And because I I think he we we left some things unsaid. And I don't think that's good between Mm. fellow vets. Mm. that I'd like to work out. And yeah, I, I'd like to have him back writing because his stuff was so thoughtful and, and just had such a broad appeal uh, that I, I would like to see him come back again. And then another reason sometimes we take stuff down off the site is we're an incubator for a lot of writers. So folks will start with us. And then we had one case where guys nationally syndicated now and he's all over the, the news, CNN all the time. He got to start with us. So from time to time, folks will say, hey, can you take this down? Because I want to put it in a in a book or something else and it can't be on anything. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that for people. Of course, we'll do that. And we like seeing that. If, if that's the guy I'm thinking of, he's a complete nutter hack, right? <laughs> if that's the guy I'm thinking of. Um, <laughs> because he lives, yeah, because we all know who he is and know he's going to be listening to this. But yes, complete, complete. <laughs> complete, complete hack. It's not a loss to the site at all to take it down. I got you. Um, Mike, I interrupted you because you we were, I knew you just talked about that one article. You sure. had another one, though, you want to talk about. Uh, yes, uh, this one's uh, a recent one. It's called uh, Where Beauty is Found in War by Jake Smith. Um, who is a, a former army ranger. 
Uh, his articles uh, have a lot in common with how a natural born killer reclaimed his humanity, uh, which I already talked about. Um, so, um, yeah, I, again, I, I have what I did in the army has nothing to do with Rangers or war fighting. Right. I was medical. I was an OR nurse. Um, but there were there were certain aspects I could I could relate to uh, surprisingly in Jake's article um, because it, it what it does is he describes the hellish experience of war and then juxtaposes it with the beauty and nostalgia many also associate with it. The f- so, you know, as I as I'm reading his article, like unexpectedly, I suddenly thought back to the very first trauma I ever did as a 23 year old OR nurse back in '96. Right, I'd never forgotten it. Um, you know, I was working in a level one trauma center as a civilian at the time. It was my first solo trauma case, and the the, the patient who came through was a young female uh, in a motor vehicle crash, and she had a severe head injury. Right, I had just gotten married. And this patient was the same age as my wife. She had the same first name as my wife. Hmm. And I had been told, you know, she had just gotten engaged herself. And so I could really, I could relate to this patient. And it, and I saw, hey, it could, this could be my wife on the table. Right. And I, I remember thinking, hey, dude, you know what to do here, but um, you just have to do your job right. And the only difference is you have to do it as fast as possible. And um, so we, we stabilized her. Like it had a positive outcome from the OR perspective, but what stuck with me was a very strange feeling that slowly seeped into me. Um, and I remember noticing it later that day. And it was a weird mixture of yearning, stress, and fear. It was weird. It's something I also experienced throughout my professional uh, life. And uh, it was un- indescribable until I read Jake's article, hmm. right? 26 years later, right? He, this guy was able to parse out and describe uh, for me what had been impossible for me to do. Um, I never understood what it was I felt um, when it comes to, you know, the mixed feelings I have about the military, the OR. And, and so here is this former ranger, again, someone I have nothing in common with professionally putting into words what, you know, eluded me for, for years. Um, the, the thing I had in common was uh, I did a job that other lives were on the line. And uh, so here I am this, in this privileged position as editor. I was able to tell him after I read it that, um, you know, hey, I've never experienced combat like he has for sure. I just I recognize the singularity of focus um, that he describes in that article when others are counting on you to do your job or else you know they, they're going to get hurt or killed. Um, and. Um, I, I, to be able to tell someone um, and describe for them just that Im- the impact that it had um, is yeah. just a, a, it's a it's a privilege. Um, and I and I found myself telling him just as I had told the other writer, "Hey, I'm in a privileged position, able to tell you how your writings impacted me." Right? There's countless others, uh, you know. So on a, on a personal level, it. At uh, the article parsed out and separated aspects I had always lumped together. And for me, I realized it caused an internal conflict, a turmoil that I really couldn't resolve, you know, and, until the pieces were looked at separately. So um, his article, just like the first one, reminded me that I got to see the best in people. I got to see the worst in people and uh, myself included. Right. Uh, 
Um, I don't think you could have one without the other. And, uh, and it also almost made me grateful for the, uh, for the negative experiences because I could see after reading that how it paved the way for the beauty I was privileged to see as an OR nurse, right? And as a military officer. So it, it also kind of syncs up and unifies all the profession of arms, right? Because I know you keep talking about, I didn't have that combat experience. Yeah, but you were in the profession of arms. You held, as we used to say in the fire service, you held the balance of life and death in your hands. I mean, that, that, that's heavy shit, you know? And I think it, it unifies the profession because there, everybody does have Venn diagram overlaps of, of related experience and having someone that can put words to those emotions um, I think is incredibly gratifying for our community, no matter what you did, that's irrelevant. You know, it's really whatever it was is going to fit in there and, and have, and have something they can relate to, uh, in someone else's words, I think. Yeah. And I'm sure that guy and his buddies were quite happy to have someone like Mike in the field hospital when they got evac off the battlefield in Iraq. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Let's talk. Um, so we've got articles we've got authors um and i i think 2023 should be i mean i guess you could say this about every year because you never know what's going to happen but i feel like there's an awful lot of subjects there's an awful lot of possibilities that is going to make grist for the mill for an awful lot of good writing coming up in 2023 storylines narratives we have identified writers who can churn out some really interesting material. Charlie, for Havoc, what is Havoc's 2023 going to look like? Let's talk about the new stuff that's going on and how Havoc is positioned to capitalize on these on the stories that come up, the narratives that unfold, and all the writing that is going on. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. So as you mentioned, the big news for us going into 2023 is our deal with the Epic Times. Very large platform hired us in a partnership to produce content for them in a program that we called Battlefields. So they approached us through a mutual friend of, I think everyone on this podcast right now, many in the veteran community, Boone Cutler, called me out of the blue. I've been in contact with Boone for years. Great veteran, great man, great brother for us. Said, hey, I got approached by this organization called Epic Times. They want to have, they want to start featuring veteran content to help veterans get their stories out, et cetera. He said, I can't do it. Are you interested? And I said, yeah, I know who Epic Times is. That's a big deal. So I called him up, I talked to him, and they invited me down to New York City, put on a suit, went down to New York City, both of which, as you know, I don't like doing. Uh, walked over, had a had a great chat with the Epic Times guys, had a real good feeling for them. And it was very interesting talking to them, Chris, when we're going through the pitch meeting, them, them telling me what they wanted and me with my presentation on what we could provide through Havoc. And just the, the overlapping names and interests about this person, that person. Of course, they mentioned Boone, they mentioned Jeff Dardia. And a number of other folks that have worked with us over the years, like, I literally know all the people you just named. I know every single one of them. Let's do this. So what we've done is we have content for them. Some of it is Havoc stuff that we're reposting in Battlefields. Some of it's unique for the Epic Times of Battlefields. And we're focusing not only on veterans, but also on first responders and security contractors. So it's a really broad aperture for maximum appeal. And the exciting thing about that is we also have a podcast associated with it. Like I said, uh, Ayman was our first guest because I think that he sums up both those worlds so perfectly. Also, Mason Roadrig, 
was our second one. Mason, I got your name right. I want that noted uh, right now. I got, I got it. I got it. I got it correct in this podcast. So we're going to have a series on that. We're going to publish that podcast, Battlefields podcast once a week. We're going to publish content on Battlefields once a day and really help share veteran first responder stories to a wider audience. So Chris, that's probably the thing I'm most excited about in the new direction Havoc's taking going forward. And that's all first person. I don't want to say war stories because that sounds belittling of it, but personal stories of first responders. It's not necessarily punditry or opinion pieces, or is it? It could be. It could be. I'm trying to keep it neutral. Epic Times has a reputation for being center right. I think it's a well-earned reputation. I don't I don't think it's pejorative. But at the same time, I think that anyone can understand and relate to and appreciate the type of stuff that we're putting out in Havoc and on Epic through the Battlefields podcast. And I want to keep it that way. I remember several years ago when candidate Trump was running for office before anyone really knew where it was. The all and up till today, there's so much negativity on both sides of the the political aisle that I just turned that off. There are plenty of veteran themed sites where you can get straight politics. Yeah. I don't like that. I want where veterans can feel comfortable. So I want to try to keep it as politically neutral as possible. But if it's particularly well written and particularly timely, like I'd love to see some articles about this business going on with Twitter right now. That's a huge story for the nation. No matter what your politics are, that's that's bad. Yeah. This thing's only going to get bigger. FTX, I'd like to see some articles on that. Lots of things that I think veterans provide. So that's what we're going to look for, Chris, in 2023. Were we paying writers through FTX and crypto? Was that, or is that <laughs> yeah. I, just yeah. want, I just want to get that on the record. I, I, I couldn't remember. You know, I just wanted to make sure. Well, the good news is for the Havoc Journal writers, they won't be getting paid any less now that FTX is bankrupt. How about that? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. That is that sounds uh, that sounds like a fair deal. I think a lot of people would take that right now, um, but that actually does bring up for 2023, Lisa. When you look at Instagram and some of the major stories out there, and again, not to put you on the spot, but um, or make you prognosticate in a way that no human being could possibly do. I mean, obviously, you had Zelensky talk to Congress. You know, you've got FTX. You've got, you know, I mean, the Russia Ukraine thing is still going on. You've got still the fallout from Afghanistan. There's so many different threads, not to mention, I think, a sizable uptick in veteran suicides that I think now is topping 28% um, or 28 a day or something like that. I think I just saw on Instagram. Uh, I mean, for you, are there certain themes, certain threads that you particularly are keeping an eye on for 2023? Um. You know, I would say it's more, you know, what's going to pull at the heartstrings and mm-hmm. and also just the, you know, something I love about being able to work in this community is that you guys have such a different perspective on world matters. It's not only your training, but it's the real life experience that you had while you were in. So, you know, getting that type of perspective where it's not you know, politically right or left, it's just the perspective of you and where you've come into, you know, your opinion on a certain topic, any of those topics really um, is a lot more helpful than just a a head speaking on the news. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the types of things that I look for. I love talking to, you know, Tom Satterley is somebody who I work very close with and he's got 
obviously so much combat experience and so much experience with working with different governments throughout the world. And so getting his perspective is such a, I mean, almost a breath of fresh air these days to understand what that is actually meaning for the United States and not just, you know, who's going to be the next president. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I want to ask you about Tom and All Secure Foundation shortly, because I do want to talk about just briefly about some of the other lines of effort that we all have going on. Um, But yeah, I, I, because, and I should say the reason I wanted to ask about that is because I do see some overlap in subject matter between your work at All Secure and Havoc. And I think that's a really rich field to mine. I think there's what the work that you guys are doing over there, I think pings on so much that's important to the Havoc community as well. I completely agree. Do you need to talk about it now? Um, yeah, I did to kind of tee that up, didn't I? Yeah, let's talk about it now. Sure. Yeah, I, 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 want, I want to tease the audience any longer. Yeah, let's talk sure. about it now. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I think that the the success of any company within the military community right now is in uh, being in an alliance with multiple other organizations. And I think that um, for those that are wondering, I do work for All Secure as well, and I do a lot of their program management as well as their social media marketing. And um, we work with all of the same exact people. So it's not, um, there's so much alignment because we all work together. It's not um, trying to steal donor dollars from any other organization or um, there's so much alignment and and partnerships with, you know, Task Force Dagger Foundation um, and a variety of others that, uh, you know, Warrior's Heart being one of them, we share articles for Warrior's Heart because of the work that they're doing with, uh, you know, getting veterans and law enforcement into a sober living situation. Um, and so there is a lot of a, a brand alignment because of those different things. You know, we're sharing the therapeutic side of, of writing um, and that ties into the therapy of what All Secure Foundation is doing for both the spouses and the service member. So, and, and there's nothing so, yeah. more personal than relationships. There's nothing more personal than family life and marriage right. and all that, yes. you know, and, and I, I think, and, yeah. Um, sorry to cut you off. No, 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 um, please. The, I, I had listened to a gold star mother in 2018 speak on, um, suicide numbers and her son had died, uh, by suicide. And, um, I, she had, utilize a statistic of 73% of all suicides within the military community are, uh, you know, the catalyst is always a, a relationship issue, be, be it custody, be it, you know, a huge fight or um, what have you, but 73%. And I was just kind of flabbergasted by that number, um, you know, and there's not, there's hardly any organizations that, you know, is really touching on the fact that there is secondary PTSD um, when when a service member comes home from war, that spouse is dealing with uh, a variety of different emotions while their service member is deployed in very austere environments. So, and that's not just one deployment; it's usually upwards of you know nine to ten within the special operations community, even upwards of twenty. So, um, you know, trying to, you got to heal the family unit. You have to heal the entire piece. Otherwise you've got a family member 
you know, the service member who's coming home, they've done their healing. Well, you still have a spouse that is holding on to whatever piece of resentment from 2015, whatever happened. Um, and so just trying to heal that whole family unit is so important in trying to get those numbers down from, uh, you know, 28 to 44 is what I've heard over the past few months within the uh, numbers of suicides mm. that happen per day. So it's just, wow, wow. it's disheartening, but well, keep, got, it, keep got going. Yeah. And I mean, and that also ties into the importance, I mean, certainly of spouses writing and communicating, but especially for service members um, on Havoc that are able to write personally in ways that um, can affect others and writing honestly about where their head is at. I think it helps immediate family members understand the service member's experience and it helps the service member process their own feelings and get a degree of self-awareness that maybe yes. they don't have, right? Um, yes. Yeah, I, I think it's huge work and I see that, especially on the Insta. Um, I, I think the stories are always so topical. And so, um, yeah, I find myself, as I say, I find myself sand trapped on, on a lot of those <laughs> posts because it's like, oh yeah, that's worth spending some time reading. Mike, for you in 2023, any themes, any narratives, any subject matter, any grist for the mill that you see, or you're looking forward to seeing writers tackle? No, what, um, sort of the mantra um, that I find myself repeating to authors, and I think it's apropos here too, is um, writing is healing for the author, but also the reader, right? And so as editor, I find myself in the privileged position yet again of reminding authors of that, right? That not only do they find it cathartic, but those that read it also do. And so my my vision for Havoc is I want to continue to grow the authorship and I want to encourage people to write. Something um, Charlie's always been very good at is bringing people together, right? And uh, Havoc Journal is successful for many reasons and in no small part because of his ability to do just that. Um, and having said that, I want to give a shout out just like he did to Kathy Livermore because she's doing a lot of a lot of work behind the scenes that. Uh, isn't going to be seen uh, by uh, or or advertised or known by many people. So um, she's she does a lot for us. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you the secret to Elisa's success is she has a heart of gold, right? So she naturally speaks to what's real, and people resonate with that. So when she's talking about um, speaking with uh, John Satterley, right? He's she's sort of echoing. Um, that sentiment as well. Like he's talking about real things, things that matter and uh, no BS. And he's genuine. Well, that, that's Elisa. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. No, a hundred percent. And I was trying to get her to say that before and, and she totally missed the cue and she was talking <laughs> about like, Oh, well, you know, I, I like to make sure that we're not totally glorifying war. And I was like, just admit it. You're, you got a heart and you got a good person. <laughs> and you're seeing, you know, you're bringing some humanity to the, to the front. That's, that's all good. <laughs> Um, hey, Mike, I think this is as good a time as any to kind of talk about submissions. And uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be as cut and dry as left and right limits. But for people that are listening, they're like, hey, maybe I should submit something. Maybe I, I don't know if I've got something worthy to share or not, but I'd maybe like to take a bite at the apple. What would you say? What's some advice we can give? What's some uh, encouraging or or discouraging words to say, hey, 
before you come in, make sure you do X, Y, and Z or sanity check yourself in some way? Like what, what do they need to know before they submit? Uh, the first thing I would say is I would rather receive more. I'd rather receive uh, something that isn't ready than uh, not receive something and miss something that that could be potential, uh, potentially helpful for someone to read. So I, the first thing I say to people are, uh, if it's important to you, it's important to someone else. And mm-hmm. uh, and so if it matters to you, um, just put it on the paper. And I borrowed this from Charlie. He told me this early on. You don't have to be a good writer. Just pour the emotion onto the page. That's why we have editors. And so if um, if they can just if they can just pour out emotion, that's enough, right? Because there's going to be something real there. It's going to be raw, and it and someone needs to uh, hear what it is that this writer is saying as much as this as much as the writer needs to write it out. And so uh, that's what I would say. Um, if it matters to you, it will matter to somebody else. And uh, uh, the the only other caveat to that is please put it in a Microsoft Word document because I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> and how are, how are they submitting now? Is it is it through the website? Is it still through there? So um, Havoc Journal at HavocMedia.com. Um, we get most of the submissions emailed that that way. Um, we do have a writer's forum on Facebook and submissions are also um, that way. And I have some writers who send them to me via Facebook Messenger uh, or my personal email. And I, I don't care as long as I get them. So, um, but uh, the easiest way is probably um, Havoc Journal at HavocMedia.com. Just email it, email it that way. Yeah. And Chris, we're not shy. We're, we're not too proud to Poach somebody's Facebook posts on it. I, I remember that one of the mm-hmm. most popular articles we ever got the, the morning after I killed myself, right. the author posted that on Facebook and I got in contact with her and I said, this is amazing. Can we please share it on Havoc? And she said, yes. So yeah, if, if someone's listening to this, they got something they want to say, or if they know someone else has something of interest, please send it to Mike and, and just a plug for Mike, please make it coherent. Emotion's great. But the easier you make it on mic, the quicker we can get it published. So, yeah, send your nuanced, thoughtful, emotion-laden pieces to Havoc Journal, Havoc with a K, Havoc Journal, HavocMedia.com, to Mike Warnock, and get you taken care of. And, Lisa, what about you? Um, if people want stuff featured on Insta, what should they be doing? Do you want to get besieged with tons of DMs, or what's the best way for – or is that not up to them? Is that going to be completely on you to curate and hunt down the content you want? Um, there's no, I mean, I'm always interested in people tagging us in, in their posts. Um, if they want to submit an article, everything goes through Mike now. Um, you know, and then I also do hunt down anything that really catches my heart and eye. Um, but I, I try to roll them through Mike so that we can get them on the website and then we can feature them on the Instagram page. No problem. So depending you, on the if, content, <laughs> if you want to be Insta famous, you've got to go through Mike Warnock. That's the message for everybody. out there. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. There's um, no promises anymore. On <laughs> well, guys, this is, um, it's great to see you guys. We got to do this more Thank often. You. This is, this yeah. is, is kind of nice. Uh, I like this. Um, listen, Merry Christmas, happy new year to everybody. Um, it's a great 2022, man. And looking forward to 20, 2023. Um, Charlie, any final words you want to leave us with? Yeah, I got I got one 
thing to say. I just wanted to acknowledge a couple other folks that I was thinking about when we were talking in, in no particular order. We had a, a lot of folks that were great authors or just good partners for the Havoc team. We got Steve Lewis, Kerry Patton, Matt Trevathan, who's a friend of mine from all the way back in college. Marshall McGurk, Special Forces Officer Extraordinaire, longtime friend of mine. Ben Bueller-Garcia, American Warrior Radio, has always been great to us, as yeah. you know. Also, we were talking earlier about different businesses operating in the space. Elisa mentioned it. And what I appreciate is a lot of the good networks of veteran entrepreneurs out there, it's, it's a collaboration. So we've got like Black Rifle Coffee Company is a competitor of ours. They're much bigger than us, of course. But JT from BRCC spent an hour with me on the phone to help me with my dissertation research on entrepreneurship. So I appreciated that. And then Marty Scovelin, who, as you know, started Havoc Journals, now over at Task and Purpose. These are competitors of ours, but they are people who help other vets. And I really appreciate that. And Zach Iskell over at Task and Purpose many years ago when Havoc, when I, when I took over from Marty at Havoc, Zach said, come down to the city, threw up the doors to Task and Purpose, had his guys sit down with me to educate me. Did you make me on a suit <laughs> for Zach? I don't think, I don't think Zach made me wear a suit. I, I, I think I wore some khakis and comfortable shoes, but yeah, we, we had a great time down there to teach, basically teaching me to be a better competitor for task and purpose through havoc. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I want to, I want to close with is to thank you, Chris. And I, I'm saving it for the end because I know you're going to cut me off. I'm going to talk fast <laughs> on this and how much you have done for havoc, especially with profiles and havoc helping us get the, the epic stuff up and going and all the things that you've done for us over the years, your many, many articles that you've written for us. I want to make sure to explicitly acknowledge you as an important part of the Havoc team that I'm thankful for. And that's it for my final comments, Chris. Yeah, well, uh, thanks. I, I, I barely had a chance to cut you off, but yeah, thank you. And obviously, I mean, look, it's been a privilege and I will say as an occasional submitter, um, obviously a lot less so now <laughs> than I used to be. I, Havoc's always been just such a great platform, um, so user-friendly, so accessible, and to see it continue to grow and continue to blossom and continue to identify new talent and nurture new writers um, and then continue to support established writers, it's a real blessing to the veteran community. And I think it's such a great um, it's such a great platform. So obviously, I'm a fan. Um, there we go. Shilling, shilling and and taking the company line guys <laughs> this was a great year-end episode uh let's do this again maybe even before next year <laughs> sounds good always down for it next week it's yeah. true that's true <laughs> <laughs> all right merry christmas happy new year guys merry christmas merry christmas thanks chris that was our year-end episode for profiles and havoc man that was fun i really enjoy talking to um all those guys i don't i get to see charlie a decent amount i don't see elisa or mike very often um maybe that's why the episode went so well i don't (laughs) know but it was really fun uh being able to sit down and have a good old bull session with them uh and and talk about all the stuff happening at havoc it really is um it's been a monumental year for havoc and i think 2023 is really going to be incredible um and that said I think this is a good tradition to have a year-end episode anyway for the show, regardless of whether or not Havoc is about to have a huge year. But in this case, it really is. So it's going to be pretty fun to keep an eye out for and see how that unfolds. Now, we started off this episode by thanking our first sponsor of this week's episode, which was Second Mission Foundation. I'm going to take a second and thank 
our other sponsor, Veterans Repertory Theater, which, as many of you know, is my nonprofit. And I feel somewhat self-indulgent talking about it, but I'll get over it. Okay, Veterans Repertory Theater is a tax-exempt nonprofit 501c3 organization which provides a platform for talented veterans to create compelling live theater and events in order to enhance, enliven, and invigorate American theater and the live performance arts. So we just heard on the year-end episode, Mike Warnock talking about you know the importance of writing and, and veterans processing their experiences and all that. And Elisa talking about the personalization. Well, if you want to take your writing in a different direction, like, dare I say, playwriting, theater, the live, uh, an art form that can be done live, whether it's poetry, um, or if it's another artistic pursuit altogether, uh, art, dance, anything that can be done in front of a live performance art, a, a live performance audience, uh, Vet Rep is here for that. That's why Veterans Repertory Theater exists. Check out everything we have to offer at vetrep.org, V-E-T-R-E-P.org, vetrep.org. It's the best way to stay on top of what we're up to. Um, when you're at VetRep, go to our Now Playing tab. You will see the option for you to subscribe to our literary blog, which also doubles as our mailing list. And if you subscribe, it's a free subscription, but every day you will get um, in your inbox, you will receive a new piece of veteran writing then followed by some shameless plugs for whatever we're doing. So it's a great way to stay up to date on what on the many lines of effort that we have going on, as well as um, read some great veteran writing. Poetry usually, sometimes some prose, sometimes some excerpts um, from folks' manuscripts. Uh, so check it out. Check it out. It's the best way to stay on top of everything. I don't have anything specific to plug just yet. Uh, trust me, when I, when I do... You guys will get bombarded with plugs at this point in the podcast. But we are entering our January through March reset period where we're planning and conniving and twirling our mustaches, plotting out the rest of 2023. And then we will launch. I can I can tell you we will be doing something. It's either going to be late March or early April. Uh, cherry blossom season down in Washington, D.C. We will have a Savage Wonderground event down there. I cannot give you the exact date, time, or location just yet but it will be happening. Um, so look forward to that. And that's really all I have to plug for right now. Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already, though. Um, stay in touch and, and let us know, um, you know, stuff you'd like to see, ideas you have, and certainly if you want to submit stuff to us, you are more than welcome to. Um, just read the submission tab for all those details. I think that's all I have to say. I need to end this episode by thanking our producer, Mike Neal, who's just done a monumental job this year. I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but if I haven't, let me take a second and really thank him. It's, you know, this is, um, each one of these episodes, you know, has many, many hours involved, not just the recording, but the promotion, the packaging, the production of it. And Mike, uh, I do a bunch of stuff, but Mike actually has to produce the episode itself. And, check the levels and all that. And he sometimes does it at the last minute because I've dragged my ass getting the episode out to him or something. And uh, he is always flexible and always resilient and continually cranks out great shows for us. Really appreciate all the work he's done from the inception of the show, but certainly in this past year. 
I know this episode is getting dropped after Christmas. You could probably tell this episode got recorded before Christmas, but uh, I hope you all had a great Christmas and I'm wishing everybody a very happy new year. We'll see you next year for more Profiles in Havoc. 